0: Hey now, I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. It's the 19th of May, and this is the RoomNow Week in Review. Uh, This week, uh, announcements. Dr. David Felsen has actually been awarded a very prestigious honor with the Knackman Prize, which is Germany's highest honor, and award for research in rheumatology. Congratulations, Dr. Felsen. Uh, A report out of um, uh, multiple countries looks at the worldwide prevalence of rheumatoid arthritis in low to middle income countries and showed that from 2000 to 2010, um, the prevalence of rheumatoid arthritis has steadily increased such that at this point in 2010, there's 3.2 million males who have rheumatoid arthritis and 14.9 million women worldwide who have rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is increasing, that's interesting. I thought it was getting milder. Um, A report shows that fragility fractures in RA, not an uncommon event, um, is actually associated with significantly higher risk of cardiovascular events. Um, That hazard ratio is 1.81, so an 81% increase in such patients. This affects males and females equally uh, and speaks to probably the the influence of inflammation on bone loss. Olga Petrina tweeted this week that sub Q symphony has actually failed uh, its primary endpoints in a, a trial of, of uh, polyarticular JIA. Um, that's an interesting finding, one you wouldn't expect, it, but uh, again, symphony sometimes doesn't do quite as well as far as its the longevity and duration of effect, and maybe that had something to do with uh, a lower response rate in polyarticular JIA. A study of 189 lupus patients followed over 13 years showed quite expectedly that the use of either aspirin or hydroxychloroquine was associated with a 53 to 59% reduction in cardiovascular events. Uh, This has been seen before, especially for um, uh, hydroxychloroquine, but uh, for both and for low-dose aspirin that's a sobering issue. Aspirin a long time ago used to be the only treatment for lupus, Uh, maybe that's one of its benefits. Uh, It turns out that in lupus patients, the presence of an antiphospholipid antibody or hypertension is associated with a much higher risk of cardiovascular events, as as much as an 18-fold risk of cardiovascular events. Uh, A study of 736 lupus patients has shown that poverty has significant downstream effects, meaning that those who had poverty were more likely to suffer organ damage when looked at five uh, years and more later. Um, again, showing you the su- substantial influence of um, uh, socioeconomic status on outcomes in these chronic inflammatory diseases. Drug induced hyperuricemia review article shows you the things you should know that these drugs are associated with higher uric acid levels and a higher rate of gout. So, drug induced hyperuricemia can come from diuretics, especially thiazide diuretics, but also the TB drugs, ethambutol and pyrazinamide, EMB and PZA, low-dose aspirin, cyclosporin, the sugars, fructose, xylitol, and lactate all contribute to risk as the cytotoxics, um, alcohol, and lastly, nicotinic acid. Uh, a review of 18, almost 17,000 patients uh, who visited the emergency room showed that um, um, that there was a large number of patients who had septic arthritis. Uh, of those who were uh, evaluated in the emergency room, 83% of them resulted in hospitalization, especially those who had preexisting comorbidities and preexisting arthritis. So septic arthritis, first pathway usually is through the ER. Uh, many of them get hospitalized, um, and uh, they should be identifiable because they have pre um, preexisting uh, inflammatory degenerative disease that puts them at risk. The British Society of Rheumatology had its meeting last month, and or earlier this month, I should say, in April, and had a lot of good reports that came out of that meeting. One report comes from the BSRBR Registry on Biologics that specifically looks at ankylosing spondylitis patients, and they showed that smoking was associated with more severe ankylosing spondylitis and spa. Uh, not surprising, as this has been seen in other disorders, including JIA, including RA, including psoriatic arthritis. Um, I don't know if you're aware of CATAM, clinically amyopathic dermatomyositis. These are what we used to call dermatomyositis Um There's a new antibody that's uh, characterized uh, um, uh, as part of the characterization of this condition, and that's the MDA5 antibody. Uh, it is commercially available, um, and its presence is associated with CADM. Uh It is also associated with interstitial lung disease, especially rapidly progressive interstitial lung disease. It is also associated with lower CPK and lower aldolase levels. Many of these patients are often ANA negative, and many of them have cytoplasmic staining on the ANAs that are done. So there is a profile that is associated with CADM. CATM is a bad marker. It is again associated with a lot of severe skin, and very, very severe um, progressive lung disease. Um, I found a nice little report, a review of um, University of California at San Francisco Moffitt Center had a lecture on scleroderma and the heart, and I tweeted a bunch of things from the UCSF Moffitt Center, I'll give you two, that symptomatic pericarditis is seen in 20% of scleroderma patients, but that 80% have pericardial disease on autopsy, and that uh, pericardial disease, whether it be pericardial diffusion, pericarditis, and, and heart disease in itself, is a poor prognostic factor for the development of renal disease, especially for the development of renal crisis in scleroderma. Um, there were a number of reports that were uh, very interesting this week: um, uh, a non-prescribed opioid abuse being seen in, in young adults. We wrote about that. Uh, this was a review of young adults who uh, who were declared to have non. Prescribe opioid use and, and found out, not surprisingly, they, many of them used pain as a reason why they were achieving it. This is more often seen in young men, uh, many of whom didn't have insurance, many of whom cited that uh, other doctors had seen them and denied them access to pain medica- medications and hence their reason for seeking out um, these uh, um, illicit drugs for pain control. Uh, it's a rising problem, one that's uh, not a good one in the current... Um, milieu of, of fear about opioids and their dangers. The norswitch study was published this week in, uh, or actually two weeks ago in Lancet. Um, and um, the norswitch study is a very important study about biosimilars and how biosimilars are going to be adopted in, uh, in around the world. Uh, this was a study that was part of, of Norway's taking on the new biosimilar for infliximab they're called rem In the United States, it's called uh, Inflectra. The, it is, uh, the generic is called CTP13. And um, as a condition of their initial introduction and 69% discount for such therapy, they did a study of over 450 patients with all the indications for infliximab. That includes RA, PSA, psoriasis, ankylosing spondylitis, ulcerative colitis, and Crohn's and uh, the objective objective was to take patients who are well controlled on Remicade or infliximab and then switch them uh, over to either um, the new biosimilar or blindly keep them on the same therapy and in the endpoint uh, uh, they were looking for um, flares being different between the groups and hence this was a non-inferiority study at the end of uh, of, I believe uh, six months um, there was no change, there was no uh, increased flare rate in those who switched over to the biosimilar. The side effects, the efficacy profiles all look the same. These, the outcomes which was measured as the number of people who had increases in activity as determined by the standard measure of activity in that disease um, were not different between the two groups. There was a trend maybe towards maybe more flares in the Crohn's disease group, but again the study was powered to look at all these inf- chronic uh, immune-mediated inflammatory disease patients together and again uh, achieve the endpoint of non-inferiority. Hence, this is going to be one of the pivotal trials that will be used to explain the utility and the safety of a switchover from the existing originator bio- bi- biologic to these new biosimilars. Um, two studies this week looked at the, uh, what's going on inside the knees Uh, of people with degenerative disease, and one looking at steroid injections in patients who have osteoarthritis of the knee looked at both the acute and long-term benefits. There really were none, and uh, they also noticed uh, long-term that there was more cartilage loss in patients who received uh, corticosteroid knee injections, suggesting against the use of these uh, uh, injections to manage patients with knee OA. Um, and then the idea of using arthroscopy to treat patients with degenerative knees and meniscal tears, uh, another study looked at that and showed really no benefit to our arthroscopy in such patients, whether that be for clean out or whatever. And lastly, there's a nice review of what happened in a large cohort, a single center study of patients who received rituximab. And they compared those patients to those who um, didn't receive rituximab. And they showed that rituximab did have a substantial benefit in reducing the development and or progression of interstitial lung disease in patients with RA. That's RA lung, again, patients who have severe disease and progressive interstitial lung disease, that there may be a significant role for tuximab in such patients. I'll end with a quote from my patient when I asked him this week, um, are you taking Voltaren gel? He said, I went to the pharmacy and I didn't fill it because it was $750 And his quote was, um, I may be sick in my joints, but I'm not sick in the head. Sounds like brilliance to me. That's it for this week at roomnow.com. Go to the website to find the citations for these reports and more interesting news from the wonderful wide world of rheumatology. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Bye.